Absolutely, you cannot, you cannot do anything with positive thinking, but you can do everything better than you can with negative thinking. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we hear from Zig Ziggler about positive thinking, his favorite topic. In this clip, Zig dispels the motivational statement of, hey, you can do anything with positive thinking and gives some funny examples to prove that you really can't. But he then comes back with the truth that you can do everything better with positive thinking than you can with negative thinking. And of course, he drives home a convicting message. Well, from this, I posted on my Agent K. Miller Facebook page where you're welcome to friend me so you can join these weekly conversations. But I asked, how do you balance positive thinking and optimism with literal hard circumstances and allowing yourself to feel negative emotions? I wanted to really hear because, you know, I'm human and even with the truth in my face, life can still be difficult, especially in a challenging moment. Well, of course, really, really in-depth answers that I bet you will resonate with and find comfort in and I think some empowerment with as well. Michelle Prince and I talked through the comments for a really rich conversation. So to kick us off, here is just under two minutes from Zig Ziglar. Now, the attitude itself is important, but I got to confess, I get a little perturbed with some of these folks who say, man, with positive thinking, you can just do anything. Folks, that simply is not true. I'm a positive thinker. Uh, And, you know, I really am. I mean, anybody would tell you that if they know me at all. But with all of my positive, optimistic, uplook, uh, beat on life, if you needed major surgery... I wouldn't recommend me. Oh, I'd do the best I could. I really would. I'd be enthusiastic, motivated, positive. I'd give it my best shot, but you'd still die. (laughs) Positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. Positive thinking will let you use the ability, the training, the experience, the knowledge you have, and that is awesome. How many of you recognize the name Shaquille O'Neal, the Shaq? Can I see your hand? Makes two and a half billion dollars a year playing basketball and, and other things. He does make an obscene amount of money. He's seven feet, two or three inches tall, weighs 312 or 13 or 14 pounds. He's motivated. He's excited. He's enthusiastic. He's a great basketball player. But I'm here to tell you with all of that positive thinking he's got, he'd be a total and complete failure. As a jockey. As a matter of fact, he'd have to carry the horse across the line, wouldn't he? No. Absolutely, you cannot. You cannot do anything with positive thinking. But you can do everything better than you can with negative thinking. Before we get started, I want to share a great offer with you. Okay, folks, so I'm going to dive in with Michelle Prince and go through your comments again to the question, how do you balance positive thinking and optimism with literal hard circumstances and allowing yourself to feel negative emotions? Here we go. Okay, Michelle, well, from Zig's, the continuation really of the, of the message we've been, we've been sharing over these weeks, talking on mental attitude, 
Uh, I asked the question, well, I'll preface it. And you and I were just talking about a second ago that I know in the motivational, inspirational sector, there's sometimes some negative feedback from, oh, we're just making, you know, being Pollyanna about everything. Now you and I know that that was not Zig, but, uh, well, again, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that. Well, I, I think everybody thinks that who, you know, unless you are in that world or you really do believe in, in being positive. I mean, Zig would always put it, you know, you, it's telling the truth in advance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes you, what you speak is, is kind of the direction in which you're going to go. And so I, you know, for me personally, I've grown up in this world. I love personal development. So I know the, the positive impact of, of speaking positive, thinking positive, but yeah, there are a lot of people out there that just think it's a bunch of Pollyanna stuff. <laughs> well, so there you go. And, and, and I, you know, my own disclosure is that I never gave a lot of value or attention to those negative emotions and found some handicapping uh, because of that later in my life. So there's an authenticness there that as I asked the question uh, on Facebook, how do you balance positive thinking and optimism with literal hard circumstances and allowing yourself to feel negative emotions? Uh, so there we go. I posted it, a bunch of responses. I'm going to, I'm going to read off a couple, actually, I'm going to group some of them together, but, uh, well, Gregory in this, he says one step in front of the other left, then right, then, then right, then left and right balancing all the way and simply allowing myself to feel both sides all in that same uh, flavor there, uh, yada. She said, seeing things exactly as they are allows us to not only embrace the amazing things happening in our lives, but also view a bad situation exactly as it is and not worse than it actually is. Then we focus all our energy on coming up with solutions. Emotions are a part of us. It's what makes us human and allows us to fully experience life. So it's okay to feel negative, uh, emotions. So right there, allowing that there's my admission, Michelle, is that I did not allow myself to, and that really came to a head when I got married to a woman who was fine with uh, sharing her negative emotions. And that is, you know, we're about to hit 25 years. It's still a topic that we talk about because I think, again, you know, we're all such products of our programming and I never had a comfort level with my own or other people's negative emotions. I'm totally the same way, actually. And my husband is probably more like your wife. <laughs> um, but, you know, to the point of, of that comment you just read, there is something to be said for feeling, though, you know, disappointment or being upset. And when I was in high school, we used to put it, you know, you can have a pity party, but you have to time yourself. So if you're going to do it, if you're going to feel sorry for yourself, give yourself three minutes, five minutes, whatever you're going to do and own it and, and be sad and whatever, but then move on. And And I think that's where you know, for me personally, that's just what I consider positive thinking. It doesn't mean the situation has changed, but it's more solution focused than Mm -hmm. problem focused. And, you know, if if you can't change it and it is what it is, you know, feel what you feel, but then find a way to, to change that for the good and for the positive, you know, for your own mental state. Well, and that's where I'm, you know, continue to grapple with. I like your thing. You can have a pity party, put a timer, uh, a timeline (laughs) on it that, you know, I mean, to my wife's credit, she has helped me. And you guys having kids and you see, I mean, feelings are, are emotions are natural. And, and we have a lot of people who are going to attest to that here as we read through these, but, um, uh, but then yeah, obviously it doesn't help us to walk forward in those long term. And so there's, as we often come to, there's the tension. Well, here, here's another one here, Steve. He says, just facing it with as much realism and emotional maturity as possible. I have learned to allow myself to hurt and feel pain when circumstances are lousy. 
I don't allow much time for self-pity, but I don't hide from the darker aspects of life. Thankfully, I have a strong faith that God's leading me through challenges to serve others and find peace of mind. So I'm reading this. uh, I, I read a few different devotion books and stuff in the morning and read one the other day that I'll get your take on, on this. Uh, and it really hit me with Steve talking about serving others, you know, challenges and doing that, which we all want to serve others. We all, we all want to be meaningful in other people's lives and find purpose in that. Uh, but there's challenges in that. And so this devotion I read, it just asked the question, what if the loss that I'm feeling today or in this instant, in this moment, what if that loss is someone else's gain? Mm. Well, and I thought it's interesting because, uh, you know, of course we know better than to have a scarcity mentality and to think, Hey, if somebody else gets that, there's less for me. Or if I get this, there's less for them. That's a scarcity mentality. We don't want to do that, but uh, okay. I'll, I'll bring out my nerdiness here on being a Lord of the Rings fan. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a quote in there from Arwen, the, uh, elf princess where she says to Frodo, who's dying over here, she says, what grace has been given to me, let it pass to him. That's, that's been, um, kind of an anchoring statement that my, my wife and I have used really in our service at a, at a native American reservation where they're so bereft of anything. And when we feel like we've been given so much, what has been given to us, give to them, even if it's to our loss, but on that topic, again, I'll, I'll throw it to you because I obviously don't want to have a scarcity mentality, but what if the loss that I'm feeling, the hard circumstances was somebody else's gain? I like the perspective of that. I have so much. Can I not afford that? Interesting twist. It is an interesting twist. It ties in a lot with, you know, since I help people with books with, you know, I always say it in your mess is your message, you know, or in mm-hmm. your test is your testimony. And so what that means is that you do have to go through some, some hard times and, and many, maybe many, many hard times in order to have a message or a testimony to share with somebody else about how you overcame it. Um, I think it ties back to our faith yeah. on how you handle a dark situation. You know, I, I, I think of Zig, I think of Zig and the example that he gave to all of us, you know, uh, one of his uh, books was Confessions of a Happy Christian, mm-hmm. and it was an incredible book and, and, and you know, one of my favorites. But then following a couple of years later, after his daughter died, he wrote Confessions of a Grieving Christian. Mm-hmm. And for me, what that says is here's known as being the most positive man in the world. But in that book and in his life after Susie died is, you know, he allowed himself to grieve. But he also, I mean, from what I saw, he 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 accepted it to the, to the point of like, how can he make it better? How can he turn that mess into a message? How can he help maybe other people who are still grieving? And, and he used it in that way by writing that book and then just living out his life that way. And so for me, that's an example of, you know what, the worst possible thing in the world to me as a parent happened to him. And yet he was able to turn it around for in a positive way to give to other people. I'd like to be able to do the say I could do the same. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm, I'm sitting here pulling something up because you just mentioned, uh, confessions, uh, his book confessions of a grieving Christian. So mm-hmm. a couple days ago, Tom Ziegler, our dear friend and CEO of Ziegler sent me, he put, he sent it to me on Facebook for some reason. It was a clip from a video called from a show. I guess it is. Is it a movie or a TV show? I don't even know called the blacklist. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, it, it's a TV show. Okay, TV show. I, I saw that same clip. Okay, yeah, he's, I'm, I'm looking at it here. So it's, uh, is it James Spade or Spader or mm-hmm. something? And, exactly. and I'm watching the video, and right now he and this other actor are looking at that book and talking about it in reference to whatever was going on in the clip. So uh, interesting for you to to bring that up. That was a neat. That was a neat fruition <laughs> to see there. Uh, yeah, you know that. Well, you know what you just mentioned. Um, you started off saying that talking about your own mess. Okay. So uh, let me read something. So Tim writes here, he says, life is filled with all sorts of challenging seasons. I believe if you, if, if you have lived long enough and experienced enough joy in storms and have a deep rooted spiritual foundation, one is able to look at positive blessings and negative, whatever, uh, negative things. Also knowing it is all seasonal and we all have temporary life assignments. You live in the moment and embrace it as a piece of your life and total story. I am blessed in my mess and our story for God's glory. Wow. I mean, obviously this whole thing takes on a different flavor for us as people who are faith-based, who do feel like there's a bigger picture going on. And maybe that's a good time to just focus on it there. If we don't believe there's anything bigger that what we have is just, that's it. We're, uh, you know, we're all just worm food at some point. It is a little more difficult. uh, It feels like to accept these challenges just ch- right. to accept those hardships. And I don't want to put someone who doesn't have a, a faith-based life in a bad spot there, but I, I got to admit it. And as we're seeing attested to here, it's it brings a different light to it. It does. It gives us hope. And, and certainly we want that for everyone, but you know, I think no matter where you are with your faith, ultimately you want hope as well. I mean, you want to believe that there is something good coming or mm-hmm. that there's a purpose for all of this. You know, I, we, you've heard it a million times and then the analogy of, of the harvest and seeds and planting and all of that. And it's just so true for our own life. I mean, you think about the four seasons, you know, here we're about to, to enter into spring, but what comes before spring? I mean, yeah. it's, it's the darkest of dark. It's winter. And, you know, a lot of people are in the winter of their lives right now, meaning things, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe they've had tragedy or, you know, bankruptcy or something so, so dark that they can't even imagine that yeah. they can get out of it. And, and and just, you know, I remember hearing a story about the seed who, you know, when they get, pl- the, the seed gets planted and he's in the dark and in the dirt and he's scared to death. He's like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? Not knowing that the next thing to come is spring. And that's when things start to develop and that's when things start to make sense. And then, which leads into summer, which, you know, then eventually into fall, which again leads to probably another dark season. So I, I feel like for me as a Christian, I have that hope that no matter where, I am right now. And I say this all the time to my friends, my kids, everybody, it's just a season. It's just a season and good seasons change to bad and bad seasons change to good. Uh, Yeah. You know, we talk about in the faith-based realm being in the wilderness and Mm -hmm. I think we all experience that. I mean, it's biblical. It's in the story there. It's not all, it's not a Pollyanna book. (laughs) Far from it. (laughs) Far from it. So I like the idea of of the seasons for sure. It's well, just the hope and belief that there is something better coming and there's a plan. And we've got to have, oh, we know that. I mean, that was a zig quote there. There's nothing that, gosh, what was the quote, Michelle? Um, uh, you know, j- just hope is, we got to have hope. I mean, it's got to be out there. That's what fuels everything is having that And that's hope. what Zig was all about is hope. And somebody uh, in the past year, on the show talked about in one of our interviews that, you know, some research to whatever degree we hear that stuff all the time, but you know, there, there was some looking at what does create happiness. And the biggest thing was progress. 
And I don't know. I think it's hard. I, I, I think by proxy progress means we must have hope in achieving something and we're making progress towards that. So again, to me, it just pointed to hope. Um, mm. well, Dana here, she says by understanding, uh, she said that the, the, she deals with it by, by understanding that hard circumstances are the gateway to your best life. There are lessons you need in those circumstances. There's that thing, Michelle, that we come to so often that we know that the majority of, I just did an event. It was an online event that I was one of the speakers for. And I talked about how, as we interview all these amazing influential people on the show, so few of them, uh, did not come from, uh, hard circumstances. The majority of them did. And there's a fame, you know, one of Zig's uh, messages that we played on here. They did that study, you know, 80% of all CEOs, whatever, most of them came from poverty or they are, or a sibling were handicapped. They came from a hardship. And that is the truth. We know that the majority of the people we're listening to that have something to say, something to offer, they say that from strength, resilience, wisdom that they got from hardship. And yet it's still, I mean, none of us are going to wake up today and go, okay, Lord, make this day really, really stink because yeah. I want to grow. I mean, <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, uh, no, nobody asks to be pruned. I mean, come on. We all, we all want to just have the, the fruits, but yeah. you know, it is, it is, it's, it's for me, the way I think of it, Kevin is it's per, just a perspective, right? You know, depending on, you know, you can have two different people sitting here and one could have, you could have the exact same thing, horrible mm. thing happen to your life or, or maybe the same financial crisis or whatever it is. And one person's perspective is this is really, really, really hard, but I have hope and I have faith that it's going yes. to be better. And the other person's perspective is this is as bad as it's going to get. I'm going to wallow in my pity and I'm going to stay here. One is going to move forward. The other is going to stay stuck. And for me, it just boils down to it's a choice. And if I'm given the choice, I'd rather move toward <laughs> progress, like you said, mm -hmm. and, and making it, making something out of this than being stuck and, and in the pit. And well, it's just a choice. It to completely a, a choice. And, and even getting that on the table, I was looking over at my bookshelf, trying to find the book by Skip Pritchard. I think it's the, the nine mistakes. We interviewed him a couple weeks ago and uh, half the time when I look over, I gave the book to somebody else to read. So maybe I did that, but where he, I love his personal story of growing up in a home where his family brought people in off the streets, hard mm -hmm. cases. And he got to see these people who often had, uh, you know, uh, just like you said, two people with very similar circumstances. And in this sense, since it was circumstances of complete depravity and, and, and lack and crap. And yet he would see one who through some help and support and encouragement would come out of it and mm -hmm. change their life. And then somebody else who would end up over and over going right back. And what were those ingredients? And it was things like being, uh, other people minded, not totally self-focused, being resilient, having some hope, having any kind of positivity, some of those things incredible book, but, uh, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's interesting to know that, you know, we're never in a spot where somebody doesn't have it harder. They're doing more with less. And uh, I think we've got to take those things to change our, our paradigm. And, and you know, and I got to make a call out here to the issue that I struggle with. And I've talked to other people with, we all, those of us who are parents and we have kids and we don't set out to give them a hard life. We generally look at our lack, what we think was challenging. You say, Hey, we're going to do better. I did. Uh, I, yes, I, I, I did do. too. And yet we have this. So how do we allow them at least to have those hardships? And 
I think some of the best things is just dealing with enabling them though. You know, we recently just, uh, interviewed Nick, um, Vujicic, um, oh, the guy wow. with no yes. arms and legs. He has mm-hmm. kids and we talked about this and, uh, you know what folks go listen to the show. Um, actually, you know what? I don't even know if we've posted the show yet. Either we, we, I, we did the interview. I don't think we've even posted it. So I think that's coming up still. It is. I, I, I it hasn't been posted yet. Uh, and he talks in there about this aspect, but then he also makes a case for spoiling your kids. So mm. I'll just let you folks listen to that. Cause I'm still grappling with it. I don't have a point on that one yet. <laughs> All right. Well, Francisco says, since we are body, soul, and spirit, I think the balance and he has in quotes is asking, are we living by the flesh or by the spirit? Uh, we can totally be engrossed in our flesh. And if we think what happens to our bodies is the full picture of what is happening to us, we're, we're in a bad way. Well, okay. So again, we're, we're in a faith-based picture there of soul spirit and living in the flesh or by the spirit. But I've read this so many times as I'm sure you have Michelle too, uh, on a non-faith-based level of just, you know, are we responding out of the higher self or the lower self? My wife's a brain researcher and they talk about, am I responding right now from my amygdala or from my, I don't even remember what the other thing is, but you know, that, that just that lower self, those emotions, am I living within that, the higher or the lower self? That's one that I do like just putting on the table and knowing I am at any moment I am, I I can be prone to respond from my lower self or my higher self, which, you know, comes back to the moment by moment thing, but also the beginning of the day. How often do we talk about that, that we renew our mind, we prepare ourselves because something's going to happen today. That's probably not going to be our favorite thing. We prepare ahead of time, but that higher, lower self that none of us is beyond that Zig Ziglar was not beyond waking up and being grumpy or being upset at something that happened and feeling those negative emotions. But what was he going to, of course, respond from? Right. And his point when he always said, you know, motivation doesn't last. It's a lot like bathing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to do it every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just a good reminder that even the best of the best of the best who are known to be optimistic and positive and up and happy, you know, have their down days too. And they've had their share of tragedies and, and yet they can still have a different mindset. And it's because it is something that you, you work on. And, and, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll just add to this is we all have different personalities, you know, you and I may be more prone to being more optimistic, right. And then there are those who are just more prone to being more, um, uh, pessimistic or realist, as many of them say. And so it, that there's no right or wrong. I think it's just, a, it's how are you going to respond or how are you going to react? And, you know, if, if the situation is exactly the same and you're going to feel better if you respond and worse, if you react to me, it just boils down to a choice. And why wouldn't you go toward, you know, the better, but uh, you know, some of the times it's just going to boil down to our personalities, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but having some, I just believe in whether it's, you know, it's for us, it's our faith, but having something that gives you that, that hope, if it means it's going to the, the local shelter and realizing, like you said, that mm-hmm. you, oh gosh, we have it so good mm-hmm. and it could be worse. Or if it's just being around other people, if it's serving, if it's, you know, reading your Bible, whatever it is, that's going to help you refocus and stay focused on what's pure and positive then, then just, you know, to do that will make a huge, huge difference. Well, okay. Right on what you said there. I mean, we have a, so as you know, I work heavily in the wellness industry and the healthcare and and medical, uh, just like so many of our current ailments, whether it's diabetes or heart disease or obesity or whatever, depression is skyrocketing right now. It's a, it's an epidemic 
uh, for sure. And on that, and we can get into, that's a whole, that's a whole ball of wax. Yeah, it is. But in dealing with that, we also are seeing with, as the depression increases, so does the efforts at medication. And I'm not talking just pharmaceuticals. That's part of it. We have the opioid epidemic, you know, the epidemic that's happening right now, but then we also just have the addictions of food, which is causing the obesity. And of course, then we've got alcohol and drugs and, and media and TV and movies. And we've got so many things we're medicating, medicating, medicating. We do know that one of the prime primary, uh, treatments, uh, beneficial treatments for depression is just, as you said, going and serving someone else. Mm. And that is, I mean, that's the last thing we want to do. I am depressed. I'm, I need to medicate me. I, and, and they're saying, no, get out of yourself. My wife is key on that because she, and, and to her admission, she's prone to the pity party. And it's one of the reasons why she stays connected with serving others. She said, she talks about it as navel gazing. Uh, she doesn't get out and serve others. She's just looking at her own navel and, and things go downhill. Um, so I just want folks to hear that, that that is a counterintuitive thing. You're depressed and it feels like I need, I need, I need. And the best, one of the best treatments over the span of time is go serve somebody else who's less fortunate than you are, or who just has a need. Nobody out there, uh, doesn't know somebody or can't find somebody who has a need that you can fill and turn your perspective around. Absolutely. As Zig would say, you can have everything in life you want. If you just help enough other people get what they want. I think I've heard that before. I think I've heard it once or twice. Maybe another (laughs) thousand times and it will be fully. It'll sink in. right? Yeah. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, so uh, real quick, I want to make mention to a couple things too, because as people were posting this on Facebook, posting the comments, I actually came in and said, Hey, thank you. And then asked, you know, do you guys vent? Do you stuff it? Do you give voice to it just to get some perspectives? Uh, right off the bat, you know, Greg says, yes, I run it out. Uh, literally he meant running. Uh, Ricky says, yes, my husband listens to me vent and voice my negative thoughts. He's a great listener. Uh, Steve says, I let it out when I do, when I, when I pursue my fitness, uh, I let myself loose physically and, uh, play loud music. And, you know, to some of those things now we're talking about the literal in the minute, you know, medications or, or treatments that we do, which I think we talked about some on last week's show as well. But again, there, there is, we're faced with that. How am I going to respond right now? And how can I change around? I, I, I this is me, uh, Michelle. I'm usually, I'm right in the moment and realizing, man, I am not in the mood to do a show or to write something good or to be any use to my family or, or whatnot. And I'll look to, I'm going to call it, maybe it sounds bad. Maybe you can reframe it for me. I call it a medication. I do use stuff, man. I'll go get a good cup of coffee. I'll do mm-hmm. some music that fits the mood. I'll, I have a standing de- or standing sit down desk. I'll make sure I'm standing up. I'm moving around. Uh, maybe I'll go outside. I mean, there is such value to, can we just physiologically, uh, change ourselves even. And knowing what works for you, because everybody's different. I'm, I'm personally somebody that I need to be quiet. I need to be alone and I need to have my thoughts and I need to pray. And I need to be, if I'm outside, it helps me to just get new perspective. It's, you know, I, I use that word a lot on this show, I think, yeah. but it's just different perspective, but for other people it's running or, you know, I think that's my, the case for my husband. He's a runner, but just knowing what it is for you, because those times are going to come. And if yeah. they haven't yet, they will, <laughs> yeah. but you know, how, how do you really, how do you manage it? Agreed. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to have us, um, I'm going to read two more that are, 
are not uh, not 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 opposites at least. But let me let me read these and let, let's just talk then a little bit about again the feeling, allowing ourselves to feel those negatives and what that looks like. Um, uh, Justin here he says I'm careful about how I vent. I find it all too tempting to vent with words that rob me of my ability to do anything, uh, such as blaming. So when I do vent, I try to use words that express my frustration and pain and hurt without trying to hurt others. Uh, note that this has been an intentional and slow process to change some deeply ingrained habits. Okay. So there we're talking about venting. We're talking about, okay, allowing ourselves to feel those, but how do we do that? And a lot of people do need to talk it out. I tend to write it in my journal, uh, but I'm going to come bring back to Shanti Feldhahn, who wrote the book, the kindness challenge that we interviewed here. She talked against venting. She said, venting doesn't usually help us oh, get it off our chest and out that generally it fuels the fire. Now, I, I love that she said that that fits me. I bet, I bet Michelle that that's, that's fits you, but I don't know. That's the end of the story too. I think some people do, you know, they, they do it. Like you said, they have different personalities. They do need to feel it and, and be allowed to feel it. And, um, th there's some tension. There is tension. And, and this is, I, I struggle with this. And I know when I was younger, I would pick up the phone as soon as I had a challenge and I'd call a girlfriend and I talked to want to mm -hmm. talk it out. There's the challenge in that is sometimes just keeping that negativity going is not going to help you. And it just gets somebody else fired up. And then that keeps that dialogue going. And, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, and again, going back to my faith is if I'm taking things to other people, then I'm not taking it to God. And so it's just that balance of, yeah, the venting versus may not be serving me. And so I think it's just figuring out, you know, if you are going to vent to somebody else, is it going to create a solution or is it going to create just keeping the problem going and keeping the fire flamed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's continue this here. Here's a, another look at that from Audrey. She cites out of the Bible, Ecclesiastes seven, three, and uh, it talks about times like these, these hard times during extreme trials, when it hurts to breathe, sorrow is better than laughter for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. We need to, and she, she goes on to say, we need to feel our legitimate sadness and anger because if we push them away, they will grow to consume us inside, taking up more and more space until there's no room left for joy. Once the storm passes. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a big statement. And again, brought me back to feeling that sadness, you know, I, we here, Michelle, I, you know, I never, I didn't, I don't like venting. I don't, to me, it does feel for, for at least for my personality, my psyche, it feels like it's throwing, uh, coal on the, or, or, you know, gas on the fire. I do. I have learned a journal about it in a way to let myself at least speak it and to, to feel it. But when I go back and not letting myself feel negative emotions or, or give them any consideration. I never felt tr tremendously. And I may be, you know, uh, kidding myself. Didn't feel like I was stuffing it so much, but now as I've gotten older, I feel like there were just parts of me. I didn't know uh, there were voids. And as I literally, as I went into some counseling, realize I, I just have some voids there that I don't understand. And it was going back and looking at some of the negatives just to know myself better. So it was almost like I was blind to myself. And that's what kind of sticks in my head now as I, when those negative feelings come up that instead of just going out and pressing, I'm going to go for a run, put some great music on and getting over it. Um, again, my methodology is I'll journal about it just to at least give myself, I I'd usually do it almost like a prayer unto God and, a, and I'll let myself vent there a little bit, but that's, 
that's, you know, I've heard things similar to what Audrey's talking about, that they're biblically, you know, and from God, that there is, uh, there is a time to mourn and a need to is what it feels like. And again, we come to that tension. Okay. You know, don't feel it. Don't walk in it. And, um, that's, I think that's what we're talking about today is the tension. And maybe it's this, the, the difference between venting and discovery, you know, through counseling, through, through really just evaluating your thoughts and why am I feeling this way? That's healthy. Venting, in my opinion, is more just sharing the negativity yeah. and with, without the willingness to find, you know, the good in it or, 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 or learn a lesson in it and all that. So, yeah. because I, I love what you just said about, you know, counseling and all that is so powerful and really figuring out, okay, why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, so here we are, um, as this, it's not a point, we haven't solved it for everybody. I think that if we were to summarize it though, that it feels pretty refutable that there is value in feeling those negative feelings and not, it, it, this would be my background, you know, not feeling guilty about it or, or thinking that th- that's all bad. Those are, those are natural, but, uh, we don't want to walk forward and live in those. And that's what Zig, I think was such a master as he did in this message that we started off with and talking about those are real, but we don't want to let them run our lives. And I think, you know, I will ask one more thing. I, I, we're again, as we talk about depression on the rise, I don't know, I don't want to be pessimistic or negative, but I don't know that we're in a culture right now that's getting better. Uh, with dealing with negatives, we tend to see, uh, if anything, they're proliferated more going and looking at the, the newspaper and listening to the media. Uh, it seems that it's just being fed to us and fed to us. So it may be that we're at an all time high of a time when we've got to get a grip on what we are, what we're going to allow ourselves to do. And what are we feeding our minds? What with? Are we is it good our... and pure or negative and yeah. destructive? Yeah. Don't go read the news is probably the best. <laughs> Just to see what the other side's up to, as Zig That's would always right. say. Folks, thank you so much, uh, as always, for uh, just sharing your heart here. Uh, it's such a gift. And Michelle, always an honor to talk through these with you. Same here, Kevin. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, friends, I really hope that this show helps you better deal with the hard aspects of life and better apply a positive outlook to them, but also have grace on yourself and others. Thanks again to all who submitted their comments for this show. Hey, if you got value, the most valuable way to let us know is by leaving a review in iTunes. A bunch of you have been doing that lately. Thank you so much. We'll be sending you your book. That's how we want to thank you right now. Literally, if you'll leave a review in iTunes, email us then at thanks at ZigglerShow.com and we'll send you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. Again, email us at thanks at ZigglerShow.com and tell us your username that you used in iTunes after leaving a great review and we'll send you the Born to Win physical book. Well, coming up next in show 561, we bring you a truly amazing, amazing guy. I mean, we all come into or end up in this world with some challenges. And just because someone else's challenges might seem bigger, it doesn't negate our own. We all just want to know how to deal with our issues better, right? With more joy, peace, and overall success. Well, we have a guy who's flat out anointed in this area, Nick Vujicic. He was born with no arms and no legs. Stop and think about that for a minute. What could you do with no arms and no legs? What hope would you have? Yet Nick is one of the most sought after speakers on the planet, often getting 
100 speaking requests per week, literally, uh, which made us extra honored to have him on the show. Well, why does he get that many requests? Because he's one of the most overcoming inspirational people you have ever encountered. It's real world stuff though, folks. I mean, he also tried to commit suicide at one point. This isn't some Pollyanna face on hardship. Uh, I tell you more, but trust me, you just got to listen to this upcoming show. Tom Ziegler and I had an incredible talk with Nick. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.